are for the second uh, episode for Live in the Hive. We got our special guest, Mary Ann Paulson. Um, sh- her background includes training, education, workforce development. Um, started in, uh, I'll let her take over in a second here, um, but started in the mobile cell phone area and then moved into solar energy. Um, and we have Jim here um, as our co-host. And I just wanted to tell Mary Ann, just do a short introduction, a little bit about her background, and um, yeah, and then we'll dive into some really pressing topics here in the solar industry currently. All right. Well, thank you, guys. It's so great to be a part of Solar Hive. I can feel the buzz. That was supposed to be a joke. But um, I am Mary Ann Polson. People call me MAP because we are going places, baby. And I am greatly honored to be a part of this podcast because I am so passionate about ethics and integrity in solar. And just a little tiny bit about my journey. I am a lifelong learner, used to be a teacher a million years ago, back in the 80s. Don't judge me, I'm not that old. But um, After um, teaching for a little bit, got into sales with a little company you might have heard called Verizon and was in marketing, media, advertising, you name it, in with that company and got involved after sales in training and found my niche there. Um, Have worked in all different types of learning and development roles from being a trainer, both online or in person, as and of course a director and now a chief learning officer for Pulson Consulting. But I, a few years ago, got involved with solar. And I will tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that it was an itch I didn't even know I had. I fell in love with the industry, not only because it's fun, it's engaging, and it's innovative, and it's helping save the environment, but it's ever changing and you have to be fluid and flexible. And again, I just am and was obsessed with it. But I am taking a break right this moment from the solar industry just for a little bit because I'm really tired about the, the shenanigans that knuckleheads are doing with when it comes to not adhering to a common set of ethics and integrity practices. And that's what I want to talk about today. And because we can help the industry, because when you hear about somebody being in the solar industry, it's like people don't feel like you have a a job that is trustworthy, honest, and that is filled with integrity. And I want that practice job. 100%. Um, No, that was well said. And, you know, I I just want to reiterate on your last point. I feel like it has become, because I grew up, my dad was started in used car sales. And it's it's gotten that mentality that that got um, back in the day where, you know, he was embarrassed to say he was a used car salesman um, because, you know, he was one of the good ones, but a lot of people get taken advantage of, you know, they hated going to buy used cars. Hence, you know, a lot of companies popped up uh, once the internet came and just to take out that used car salesman mentality. So, um, very good right. points there. Yeah, it's absolutely. Just, and just, it doesn't have to be that way. 
No, no, it doesn't. And I know there's good folks out there and you as well. Um, and that's why we did, you know, come up and create. And, you know, like we said before, the hive, you know, it wasn't me that came up with it. It was just a group of individuals that, you know, had the ethical, um, you know, and good the good ethics and wanted to do things right, wanted to better the industry because we just got infiltrated with these people that were in it for one thing um, and it was money, right? So we are trying to band together to kind of feed the good, starve the bad mentality. So um, we're very happy to have you here. And um, like I said, we have Jim here too. Jim, did you have anything you wanted to add before um, we dive into you know the ethical behaviors that we've seen today? Because you've had time in the field and all that. Yes, in my 13 years. Well, first of all, just Marianne, welcome and thank you for um, you know being our our second guest here in live in the Hive Solar Hives Metaverse podcast. It's exciting. Um, and then also we have our chief Metaverse officer just observing and and seeing how we cast studio Natalie. Uh, she's put a lot of hard work in and getting this launched so yeah welcome and excited to dig to dig into this conversation definitely have some questions for you and yeah let's get rolling yeah i know you mentioned um you know when we were talking before, talking before and about, about how they're doing it over in europe um, and kind of comparing that to the U.S. And I wanted you to kind of touch on that because that was a very good point. Um, and then the whole red line stuff, you know, how that's been. Everybody's using that terminology now. So I'll let you take it um, and kind of let, let everyone know what you've seen and uh, how we think we can solve some of those problems. Absolutely. Well, I have traveled to 45 countries so far in my passport, and I have about 45 more to go. And ever since being a part of the solar industry, you know how it works. You're so much more aware of the potential and who's got solar on the roofs. Um, what are the ground mounts? What are the industrial buildings doing? And I recently had a few trips to um, Central and Western Europe, and I've got to tell you that their take rate on adapting solar for both residential, commercial, and industrial is significantly higher than ours. And one of the reasons it appears to be is the fact that they have a better overall reputation of being an honest, forthright, upfront, transparent industry. So let me just take a quick step back. The solar industry, like just any industry, does have instances of unethical behavior, and that's by certain individuals in some companies. But inherently, the industry, especially here in the United States of America, is not unethical. And as a matter of fact, for I'm preaching to the choir here, but solar energy is often seen as a more ethical and sustainable alternative to our traditional fossil fuels. That's why I love being involved with it, because we are part of the solution. And so because, you know, solar energy is renewable, does not produce the greenhouse, greenhouse gas emissions and can be produced locally, it can reduce our dependence on foreign sources, sources. And we know about that. But the deal is, is that there are some issues that we have here in the U.S. and that is regarding to 
bad reputations of solar companies. Um, and that, of course, comes from um, over-promising the installation time. Have you heard that, Mitch, Jim, and Natalie, about, oh, you can get your, your solar project done in two months? Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And most um, time and it's three to four. And, you know, it's interesting is being a person who has a marketing background, if you think about this, think about the people who have put in their name to get a Toyota RAV 2024. I have a neighbor who wants to buy one. She's on a waiting list, and she hopes to get that car in about nine months, okay? But guess what? She she has to drive a car, so she's, you know, driving a kind of a jalopy right now but the thing is that she wants it even more because it's more exclusive and the idea is that we sell we sell on the value of solar and the power whether it's saving us money energy or combination of both but the idea is the installation times based on your company's um capabilities and i'm mainly talking about residential installations and a little bit of industrial and commercial here is it's you've got to be accurate and you've got to be honest and forthright and for some people that may be a deal breaker right but it doesn't have to be the idea is that help them understand what they're going to be accomplishing and that also shows them how popular we are in as an industry that people want us so badly right that they are willing to wait Okay, and so it's putting off that little bit of um, excitement to see your energy um, independence realized. But the idea is that what happens is if people do not give full disclosure on this is a construction project. It is not like, um, you know, painting your house, it's one and done. There's electrical work, there's permitting there is there are plans there are designs there are fire hazard codes there's so much to it part of our role as solar zealots is the fact that we need to educate people on it's not just like a simple do-it-yourself at home improvement it's something that takes some care to do it right but once you do it it is beautiful um, Mitch, I was just going to mention about when I was in Europe recently um, in April as I was going down a river on a, on a river cruise, and you noticed, with the exception of the historical homes, which they are often not able to um, get solar, but you take a look at the other homes and buildings and car parks, and it looked like about 72% of take rate in, in Europe and what's interesting is I happened to talk to a couple of people on the train going from Passau, Germany to Berlin. And I asked them, why do you think that people do solar so much more in Europe? And he, they said that it's a given. It's assumed that you're going to do it. It's a matter of who is going to get your money. And so because it's the right thing to do for the economy, for the environment, for your neighbor, and for your pocketbook. Absolutely. Right. And let's face it, here in the U.S., it's the marketing being shoved down the consumer's throat. The government pays for it. It's $0. It's free. 
um, you know, nothing out of pocket. Let us just sign here. Let us, let us do exactly that. Let us put you on a long mm -hmm. list because our, our Wall Street investors and board members want to see numbers without really thinking of the, the completion and, and the integrity of the installation. You know, we simply mm -hmm. can't just sell and expect the quality of the install to meet the promises made to the homeowner. So right. again, another reason why from a marketing standpoint and an outreach consumer awareness um, and educational stance that we're making here is to try to offer that in information. Um, we see it a little bit. Look at Tesla. You know, people want a Tesla Tesla wall and, and a Tesla shingled roof. They will gladly go on a waiting list um, for a mm -hmm. year or two. Um, right. But again, a lot of the other companies that we can name residentially uh, speaking, again, are driven to make the investors happy and they'll take thousands of horrible reviews um, mm -hmm. and, and they have a legal team to, to go to court and, and just kick the can down the road. And unfortunately it's the small to middle size companies that really struggle to maintain the industries, you know, uh, and It's pretty wanted, pretty obvious that uh, the integrity and and just overselling, you know, in my opinion, the industry needs to slow down a little bit, especially in these trials. So, um, yeah, great points, and uh, it's pretty wanted, pretty obvious that uh, the integrity and and just overselling, you know, in my opinion, the industry needs to slow down a little bit especially in these trying economic times and even mm -hmm. throughout COVID as supply chains were disrupted, manufacturing and even mm -hmm. workforce was disrupted. People weren't allowed to go work. So right. well, why still have a race to sign all these contracts and build these enormous sales teams without a installation workforce that can fulfill? And uh, I'll just leave it at that. I get I get a little excited. Yeah, me too. I was, you know, you touched, you touched on the marketing gym and, um, you know, how they just make you sign here, right? Um, and that kind of brings us to our next, you know, topic we wanted to cover was this whole thing about red lines, right? It's, um, mm -hmm. it's like a race to get who can get the most money. I mean, I see some of these Facebook groups that I follow. Um, mm -hmm they brag about how much they make on a deal. And I'm talking, right. you know, a, a five to 10 KW system, they're making 10 to 15 grand commission. Now I know for a fact that the installation team is not making that. Um, and then also to make it even worse, they want to make more than that. So they go mm -hmm. out and they shop installers and get, you know, what's your red line? What's your red line? And they get so low that, not only are they overselling, but then they get guys that aren't skilled and trained properly and probably aren't going to do the best quality work. The homeowner doesn't know that um, because they are paying a monthly payment. They've been, you know, quick, quickly sold. And so, yeah, I, I know you wanted to bring that up, but man, this, this whole red line thing and, 
it's just it's ruining the industry um as far as i'm concerned and you did touch on a good point jim it's just we need to slow down a little bit right mary i mean it's just slowing down taking our time educating and it should be a fun buying experience um and i feel like we've got away from that you know you bring up an interesting point mitch about the buying experience and any company worth their salt in the solar and renewables air arena they know they have a customer service department, which is to quote, you know, fix problems retroactively. And my stance is, as opposed to overcoming objections, be proactive. And again, educate the customers, but more specifically, educate the sales reps on what their value proposition is, and for them to know it and understand it and be able to talk about it without the marbles in their mouth and have them truly get the education they need. Because when, for example, when a person goes to buy their brand new first EV vehicle, if you do it right, they make it part of the experience. They talk to you about how you've got to get a level two charger. They talk about um, where do you go when you're on vacation to get the charges and how that is a whole, all the apps that you need for that. And it is part of a lifestyle and as part of a kind of a, a new way of thinking about things. And what's interesting is that we need to make buying solar fun and exciting because the idea is that people appreciate being part of the solution. Um, you know, they say that children who don't like vegetables, who are forced to cut up vegetables when you're making the spaghetti, they are more likely to eat the recipe if they had a hand in making it right because they saw that oh these aren't too bad so the idea <laughs> is don't um you know talk too too high level to them but our consumers are much more educated now than they were even three years ago and um you know we mentioned about misleading sale tap sales tactics you know some solar companies use aggressive and misleading tactics to pressure customers into purchasing their products or services. And that, again, can result in false promises. Um, or one of my big pet peeves is failing to disclose the hidden fees, failure to disclose the dealer fees on the loans, which, by the way, is a whole subject in itself. Um, but the idea is it comes down to it's not necessarily evil salespeople or consultants. It honestly, I believe it comes from the upper management and leadership of the companies, whether it's a small to medium size company or a large one. It comes down if the CEO draws a line in the sand and says, we are not going to be the cheapest one on the market. We're not maybe necessarily even the most expensive, but we're going to sell on value. And guess what? We may disqualify customers who are what? Not willing to cut down trees. Customers who are not wanting to have um, you know, enough panels to offset um, in their local area. The idea is that sometimes we have to turn customers away. And right now it appears to be the wild, wild west where any sale, no matter how not solvent it is, any sale is okay because they want to churn and burn them. And I, I want to see that trajectory change. Yeah, we even, great points. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, we joke all the time. I mean, it's not a joke, but uh, we drive by a house with panels on the north side of the roof and we we kind of know what large company may have installed that, right? Um, mm. Because it was part of a lease program or, you know, mm. they're just slapping up panels just because they know they're going to get paid on that, right? And honestly, it needs to stop and mm -hmm. the homeowner has no clue. I mean, <laughs> it it's just, it's it spun out, I feel like about five years ago, really bad, and it's just gotten worse. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course the pandemic, everybody went to Zoom sales and and then there's some powerhouse sales organizations that have no in-house installations. I mean, in the perfect world, in a perfect world, I would say that you should do everything under one roof. Now that's not always possible, um, mm -hmm. but you should at least know who's installing the system you're selling. Um, and I think everybody agrees on that because these guys, once they sell it, they go on to the next and they could care less about Mrs. Jones down the street that they just sold, right? They're done. They made their money right. on the next. Um, and that goes to your point with the long install times. They don't care. They got paid. They pay them up front. You know, I know that some companies do not pay their complete you know, commission out until the job's PTO'd, but I feel like, mm -hmm. you know, the, they complain a lot about that and some of them get their way, right? And they cry and get their way. So Jim, do you have anything to add on all that? I mean, we did cover a lot there. I know you've been out there and dealt with a lot of that. So. Yeah, I think we could go on for hours. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing that, that I want to emphasize is today, there's a lot of people in financial distress. So mm -hmm. misleading those individuals to start their solar lease payment, their solar finance payment, but they still have a full electric bill. Right. You know, Americans aren't in a position to deal with that. So why, again, hire and train huge sales forces today when the focus should be on the workforce development? as far as installs and, and operations and maintenance. I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of systems already installed that need, need some attending to. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we could go into operation and maintenance, right? Cause who is going to stand behind these systems? I know that there's been, you know, some good programs that have, you know, came out in the past few years, you know, solar insure, um, is one mm -hmm. of them. Um, I think they do good work and I think that is what we do need now. I'm hoping they have the capital to back it, which they say they do. Um, but I think, you know, you'll see more of those popping up, uh, in the near future, but it's just a lot of systems are out there that aren't even turned on. Um, and we right. get calls all the time, right? Hey, my solar's not working and I can't, I don't know who to get a hold of because my installer's out of business. <laughs> and so we do, want, we do want to solve, help solve that. You know, we're not going to solve all the problems, of course, but we want to put our, you know, vetted and, you know, very skilled network of installers to work and give them a long-term, you know, future in the solar, you know, it's, solar's not going anywhere, but to have that 25 years, 50 years of mate, you know, O&M and replacing stuff. I mean, that's a whole nother business model. And our goal is to continue to feed the guys that are out there, you know, um, sweating and, 
bleeding on the roofs. So, um, and just reward them with more and more work, right? Keep them busy. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. And then as far as, you know, training, workforce development, um, I know you had some ideas. You mentioned, you know, we do need to train the sales, the sales reps. Um, and then we are working on, you know, developing some programs as far as the installers. And we just know how much is needed for labor in the future. I mean, they're just, they're overselling and there's just not enough people to get these panels on the roof and electrical hooked up, right? Right. Right, absolutely. And it comes to a commitment by, again, upper management and, and the, the sales and professional management of the companies to provide not just adequate customer service, but world-class customer service, making a an effort to have that buying experience be positive all the way through so that people want to give excellent reviews and they want to refer their friends and family and and i'll just say it one of the um, reasons why i'm taking a slight break from solar is because in a couple of the that i've been involved with i didn't i'm sorry to say feel comfortable for my family and my neighbors isn't that sad that I, I couldn't refer them and that killed me because they're like, you're in solar, right? And I said, yes. And they're like, oh great, can you get me a, a person? And in some cases I, I found the, the best possible one that I could find for the area. But um, I wanted to be able to say that for all of my companies that I have been involved with both um, on a contractual basis as well as as an employee. But what's so interesting, the, the good ones, and let's talk about the, the behaviors that we want to see. The ones that are doing it right are having the philosophy of what I call a SPOC, S-P-O-C, a single point of contact. And that means that, yes, Solar Mitch has gotten me with a fabulous, you know, 15, um, you know, kilowatts, whatever, um, you know, plan that I have. And yes, Mitch is going to be now out of the picture a little bit, although he's going to be bugging me for referrals because he's going to inspect what he expects. But the idea is that there's a market accountability manager, uh, again, a single point of contact that walks through. It's a Natalie, for example, who is your point of contact to talk about the permitting and the the PTO process and the permitting process and what happens if um, a, a bird builds a nest underneath my panels, what's that going to do? That person doesn't pawn you off. They are your answer woman, answer man. And that helps the person who buys this, you know, $50,000 system helps them feel like I've made a wise purchase and I've made a purchase that makes sense and they are backing up. They are, again, walking the walk and not just talking the talk, if that makes sense. And the idea is that to have those customer service people um, who are also the account managers, to have them be involved and have them be advocates for the homeowner or the business person to make sure that things are moving along. And if they are not moving along, don't, point fingers and blame. Yes, you can always, you know, talk about the utility. You can talk about the city permitting process. 
bottom line is keep them apprised of what's happening so they feel like they are part of the process as opposed to being in the dark. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you hit a lot of good points there. And I, um, I, I think I was talking to you about this, you know, the other week where, you know, I was in a house trying to get a deal and I, before I left and it, you know, the guy's jaw dropped, but I said, if you don't choose to go with me and, uh, you know, our company, just, mm-hmm. t- you know, call me and I'll recommend the guys that I do trust in your area. Cause I just, there's too many people with a sour taste in their mouth a negative experience and then they go, you know, they go tell everybody about how their horrible experience. And we all know that bad news travels faster and more mm-hmm. frequently than good news. Um, and so you don't know how many people I talk to, just friend, family, that solar doesn't work and I'm not going to get ripped off. And I got people knocking on my doors. And it's just like if they knew what they were doing to the industry as a whole, I think they'd maybe see it differently, hopefully. But um, but yeah, you're totally right there where it, it's hard to recommend people when you just, you, and it's hard to work for a company you don't trust. I mean, it's just, I've been there. I think Jim's been there. I know Jim's been there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Natalie, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that if you talk to anybody in Dollar, they've probably been there. Um, and I, right. you know, maybe, maybe that's true in other industries, but I don't know about every industry. <laughs> um, you know, who knows, but um yeah all good points so what else did so you and yeah go ahead you know obviously um this table was created to discuss the solutions and i think we've we've had these discussions offline and there is there's several solutions it's it seems mm-hmm. like everyone's too busy to to start practicing or putting a a line of new practices in in, in place so the solar hive, you know, creating mm-hmm. this platform is to build exactly that. And one of the things I feel is a solution in this is to create that more localized culture and network of solar hive vetted professionals, whether they're yeah. consultants, sales reps, installers, or maintenance technicians. Um, you know, let's talk about that. I feel. You know, workforce development, uh, culture building, and and building the network locally to supply that experience that no one has really mastered quite yet. Mm-hmm. So what are your guys' thoughts on, you know, some of these solutions? Well, i got to say that you hit the, the nail on the head, Jim, that no one has mastered it. But guess what? It's ripe for the picking. There are some local, regional, and national companies that could just slay it if they only made the commitment to quality. And I'm also going to talk about safety. We talk about education. And it's not just because I'm a lifelong learner. I'm a learning and development person. But the idea is that if you present solar and provide the homeowner or the business person with the information that you have, again, it makes sense. It's, I hate the phrase no-brainer, but the idea is that it is almost illogical to not put solar on your roof if or have ground mounts, whatever the case may be. 
it's almost illogical when you look at the numbers of what you're spending over 20, 25 years for that unending cycle of infinity of paying your electrical bill with having nothing in return. And oh, by the way, you're not helping the environment with the constant use of fossil fuels. So with that in mind, prioritizing quality and safety, and it comes down to a mindset of the CEOs and the, the senior leader to be able to say that they are going to make the profit, but it may not come in as fast because it takes an investment. It may not come in as fast as they would like, but the idea is that if we take a look at the bottom line of the uh, P&L um, sheets and we take a look at how many we sell, how many we write off, how many are bad deals, and we have to, there's the whole percentage of loss based on the fact that we have terrible reviews on Yelp and Google and, and all over the place. There's a cost that you are losing, and that is a false sense of security to the stockholders. And the idea is that if companies um, want to become financially stable, and again, they, they, push and to not have delays in installations, and then again, they make sure that the maintenance is done, they're going to benefit in the long term, but it takes discipline and it takes a mental commitment because otherwise we're gonna have unfinished or malfunctioning systems and um, we're gonna have bankruptcies, I'm sorry to say, and that does not help our industry have credibility. No. Not at all. And I mean, I, the list goes on about having, um, you know, panels that are on someone's roof uh, be, um, I'm drawing, why am I drawing a blank on this word right now? But they put your, um, it's like a note on your house. Um, a Jim. Yes, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've had numerous people that, well, not that I work with, closely but um you know i did some consulting back in the day and they they had a bunch of liens on people well they didn't that was their supplier because they didn't pay their bills <laughs> is what i was getting mm. at so it's like and of course those people go on the local news and they talk about how right. you know this happened to me and i went solar i was trying to do something good and now i got a lien on my house it's like come on <laughs> and it's and in that case they just weren't good at doing business. It was just, mm -hmm. they're good at selling and they weren't good at, you know, managing their money, which unfortunately we do see a lot in the industry as well. It's just, they, they go in all in and they start selling and they don't have a bookkeeper. They get a bunch of, you know, warehouses and vans. And, you know, I've told people so many times, slow your roll, you know, mm -hmm. slow down. Um, because you see all the money in your bank and that was from all the loans that were getting sold, but they haven't paid any of the commissions out yet. They haven't paid their bills on their material yet and they think they're rich. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, it's sad because I know Jim's been in that position too, um, personally with a couple companies. So it's just, it doesn't seem to stop. And I mean, now you're getting into having classes and training people how to run a business, you know, it's like, where, right. why can't there, it's like, if you can't do it, get out. <laughs> I know that's not possible, but 
that's the way I feel sometimes. It's like, you don't know what you're doing, just get out because you're ruining it for everybody else, right? Well, it's just one of the, uh, you know, after effects of capitalism where greed and irresponsibility just kind of gets in the way. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think, uh, you know, moving forward, one of the ways that the Solar Hive is really excited to deploy is our, you know, virtual extended reality training that could be done via cell phone, desktop, or even in a VR for a more immersive mm -hmm. experience. But being able to do preliminary onboarding and training to staff the positions of, you know, ethical consultants, quality installers, operations and maintenance. I mean, that's what we're going for here. And, and over yeah. the next, you know, 30 to 60 days, um, Marianne, as you're going to be involved in some of these offline conversations, bringing your, you know, wealth of experience and knowledge uh, to deploy this. It's, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, oh, I'm a little bit of feedback there. Okay. But, oh, you know, now I have a lot of feedback. We good? Okay, now is it better? Oh, good. Okay. Sorry about that. I think Jim muted himself. No worries. Okay. But I was going to mention that we have to have that line in the sand and a so an ethical solar company can position themselves positively in the market by highlighting their sustainability and their social responsibilities the the people who and i don't have all the millennials and x and generation y's all those labels but the idea is that those folks who are in their 30s and 40s who are buying the homes right they are the ones who want to not only save the money, they want to make an impact on the environment. These are the folks who will pay more for organic vegetables, right? These are the people who have the EVs, who have the cars. These are the people who make sure that when they have a pool, it's got a solar cover so that they can heat their pool. The situation is, is that um, the companies talked a lot, Mitch and Jim, about the environment. But what's interesting and sad is that they don't have their marketing match up with reality. In other words, you can talk all you want all day long on your social media posts, on your website, on your blogs, even on your podcasts. But if you don't have the rubber hitting the road, or I should say the glass on the roofs, um, and had not have it be truly um, enforced and be part of your DNA because nothing is worse than being sold something only to find out, oh, they really didn't care about the environment. Um, as a matter of fact, their, their vans are still using fossil fuels. Why, are, why don't they have EV vans, which is a whole other conversation. But an ethical solar company, in my opinion, should prioritize sustainability and social responsibility. And that includes using sustainable manufacturing processes and practices, who they buy their panels from, trying to minimize their environmental impact, truly talking about 
what's going to happen in 25 years with these panels? What are we going to do for recycling? Because people are starting to ask that. They're starting to look at, okay, I'm 30 years old. This roof's going to last me in, you know, for 25 years. I'm still going to be alive when those roofs need, those panels need to be taken off and upgraded. And people want to know, do you have a plan for that? And frankly, I don't believe your average um, solar company has a, even a department for that, much less a, a plan. No, you're completely right. You know, um, we have uh, Kate Collardson's her name, but um, she's, you know, really, I mean, just in her free time has came up with a website and, you know, multiple res it's, it is kind of like a solar hive for recycling. Um, oh. she, she will be on the podcast coming up here, um, hopefully sooner than later. But so she has her mission is to, you know, solve that problem because it is a huge problem. Um, and I've sat with her, had coffee with her and discussed it. And it is, you know, what it comes down to is money, right? Um, mm -hmm. and the one solution, because right now you have to pay money to recycle your solar panels. And of course, all the guys that made money are out of that deal by now. Right. <laughs> and so right, it's the right. people, either the guy, the person that bought the house with solar on it, or, you know, the list goes on, but I think you got to bring it back to the manufacturers and embed that into the cost of the module. It's like a recycling fee. And I know that it is being talked about, but when you cover that cost upfront, put it in a piggy bank bucket or whatever you want to call it, kind of like an insurance policy when that system's, you know, ready to get either removed and replaced or there's hail or what have you, you know, they can look up whether it's via QR code or whoever, what panels are these? It should say on the back, these have that, you know, have been charge that fee or whoever got these, you know, put that money in the bucket. And so those mm -hmm. are automatically recycled. And I, I guess I don't see another way. I know that you, it starts small. It's a, it's going to be a slow process, but I feel like, you know, that is one way to do it, but there is, there are people, good people that are out, you know, actively trying to solve that problem. And we are in conversations with them and I, it, it, it is a very important topic. Um, and I feel like, you know, in the past three to five years, I, more and more people are talking about it. It's people are shedding the light on that needs to be, but action of course speaks louder than words. Like we've said on a lot of these, these, uh, topics we discussed. So, um, well, one thing I, I did want to add in it, this is a challenge and I'm speaking directly to the CEOs and the CFOs and CTOs of these companies, and that is make a commitment. Please step up and make a code of conduct. Adhere to your standards being world-class. Don't accept um, unethical behavior. Make sure you provide your training, not only to your salespeople, but your installers and making sure that safety is paramount, okay? Um, but making sure that the customer service people know why you're having the XYZ panel versus the other panel. Why are you having this inverter? What um, racking system are you using? Why um, did it make sense to do a lease versus an outright buy or a loan? The whole company needs to understand um, how they fit in with the puzzle piece. 
um, one thing I've um, worked with Natalie at another um, company, and one thing I appreciated about her was that she always saw the big picture of how everybody has a role and know what that role is. And, um, but it's got to come from top down support, sponsorship, and the idea is for the CEOs and, and owners of these um, small to medium, even to large businesses, need to take that ownership to say the BS stops with me from the top down and I'm going to reward the, the sales reps who have clean contracts, not just the most, not just the biggest, but have clean contacts and have the repeat customers who are satisfied with the end result. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, and yes, I mean, it is, it goes from the top down because the other, the guys that are out there selling just want to make money, right? And if you mm -hmm. incentivize them that if they did things, you know, ethically and the way they should be done and, and that's how they got paid, that'd be a change that changed the game. I mean, what do you think of that, Jim? I couldn't agree anymore. I mean, it, it needs to happen. So I'm excited. You know, 2023 has brought quite a bit of change and these conversations are just adding to the growth and not only, you know, these efforts, but in more and more ethical people entering the solar mm -hmm. industry. So we're excited. Well, I was just going to, I mean, this just kind of, I get thoughts randomly going through my head as we talk all the time, but you know, you are never going to get every single CEO. And I mean, the, um, I'm not going to name names, I guess I was going to there for a second, but there's been a lot of companies <laughs> that went out of business. Um, I mean, I'll just say it. Everybody knows them. Pink energy, you know, uh, they, they had, a they were in a lot of news and did a lot of bad things as far as homeowners go. Um, but what if, and I hate to put this and I would not put this on the manufacturers, but if there was where, you know, what I hate also about this whole volume game and monopolies and all that is, of course, you volume, should you get better pricing? Yes, but it ultimately, a lot of the times, they get these huge discounts and I'm talking... 20, 30, $40 a microinverter, right? And that adds up to 10, 20 cents in a system. And you, the manufacturer incentivizes them. And that does drive out those small to medium guys who then, you know, have to scrape by because they're, the big guys are selling more, they're making bigger margins. I wonder if it's at all possible to get the manufacturers to actually offer some type of, you know, spa or rebate those that are doing ethical business instead of volume. I mean, I know that's a shot in the dark, but it's, it would actually put some big companies in check. I think, um, I don't know if that's possible. It just kind of crossed my mind because they are the ones, you know, the ones that are spending all the, you know, that's all the cost of the system. So if you were to jack their price or give them a discount for running an ethical business, that could be a start too. Well, you have a really interesting point, Mitch, and that is um, why not get the manufacturers involved in encouraging ethical practices 
by again having them provide awards not just only recognition but perhaps a small to medium shop could perhaps earn that you know um, extra incentive based on the fact that they have again less errors less accidents um, again when the installation has been we believe it's going to take four months before PTO well in, in that instance how close are you to that being a reality um, and one thing that I will mention to you when I was in sales I used to have a an award at my company called Zeme zero errors and misunderstandings and what was really interesting about that award is it wasn't necessarily for the highest producers but what was really interesting is when you got the Zeme award that meant you had zero in 365 days you didn't have a single bad contract you didn't have to give any money back all of your contracts were solid and I will say that in the you know 17 years of me selling I only won it once because it was really difficult especially if you've been in sales but the idea is that I still have that award somewhere in a closet um, but the idea is that it really emphasized the fact that this quality you want a quality or quantity we're in sales we want to make money but the idea is that that was driving a behavior that the company was wanting to have which is not just the quantity but also quality and I think that is something that I think the manufacturers might be able to get behind and it gets them out in the news to be heralding those behaviors that we want to see yeah agreed and I mean we growing up we got graded on how well we did in school and you know perfect attendance and you know you get extra credit whatever happened to that because as soon as you got to the real world it's like you know the more unethical stuff you do the more money we're going to pay you right it's like where did the disconnect happen um, and you know especially since we were brought up on a grading scale and now that just kind of mm -hmm. went away and yeah there's reviews and there's solar reviews there's help there's all that but i mean there's also lawyers out there that can bury the bad reviews which maybe we need a new review site right um and we've talked about that but that's not watered down that's only you know customer base that's you know it's actual real people real experiences not friends family hey you need to write me a review right it's mm -hmm. uh somehow monitored like that but all good yeah. points. So, sounds like we need to have a solar hive panel that's insured and exactly right and almost a um almost like a jd power and associates which they do have an award for home improvement but specifically an accreditation of sorts where if you get this good housekeeping seal of approval from solar hive that means you have been vetted that means that it's not just your salespeople have again a, a specific amount of education and continuing education right it's not just a one-time event and that the installers again you have your everybody from an electrical apprentice apprentice to the master electrician they have been trained on the latest and greatest techniques the new products coming out 
as well as on safety. And people, that is makes a big difference to them. Um, and then, of course, your follow-up customer service to those people have, again, a commitment to one call resolution to making sure that this person gets a resolution that's going to make them a satisfied customer in order to make them say, yes, I've got to give them a referral. I will tell my mom, I will tell my neighbor, I will tell my colleague they need to go with XYZ Solar because of my experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I 100% I'm glad you brought that up. Kind of, yeah, go ahead. As, as far as J.D. Power, uh, a good friend of the Solar Hive and colleague, uh, Tim Seismic, was a an executive level a J.D. Power and Associates uh, global director uh, focused on auto and EV. Uh, he no longer works with J.D. Power, but he plans on being on a podcast here in the next uh, month or so, and and that's what the discussions were is – how do we deploy a lot of that, um, you know, global scale grading system like JD Power mm -hmm. into our industry? So we're excited to uh, for that conversation coming up soon. Exactly, I think that is fabulous, and I think that's one of the values and benefits of the incredible work you're doing over there at Solar Hive. You folks are disrupting the status quo. You are not sitting back and just letting the, the chips fall where they may. You are taking the bull by the horns and saying, not on our watch. And we want to have, again, companies that sell, sell with integrity, with transparent pricing, with upfront pricing. They sell on the value, not some kind of, you know, very special sales technique that requires manipulation. Bottom line is that solar, we, we know, as believers, we know that solar makes sense for so many reasons. And what, whether their reason is for saving money, saving the environment, a combination of, of both, the bottom line, it makes so much sense. And it, the idea, just like Mitch said, I don't care if you don't necessarily buy from me. I mean, I want you to buy from me. but Still, I want you to buy solar because it makes sense. And we talked about Europe just a little while ago, and that was in their mindset, it seems that it's not just a choice of yes or no solar. It's who's going to get my money for solar. In other words, it's like having, um, having water, right? Having, um, again, having food in your refrigerator if you're lucky to have that. The idea is it's an assumption. It is part of their quality of life. Of course, you have solar on your roof because the sun provides that energy, and it's a, a waste to not take advantage of that wonderful resource. Right. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Well, exciting conversation. And we, you know, as we heard today we've had a lot of these wheels in motion you know whether it's the you know, jd power guy or um you know the recycling um but i mean i'm just going to reiterate and that's why we're so happy to have your help when you can offer it is just we're looking for more people 
with the same, you know, like mind individuals with the same vision of the future and wanting to help the industry, you know, just be a better industry all around. Um, so yeah, I, we've said it, I think on our first podcast, or actually I know we did that, you know, all hands on deck. Uh, so if there is anybody out there with, you know, three, five hours extra a week that they could, um, you know, actually put into help with the, you know, achieving this goal or all these goals we're talking about more than welcome and more than happy to talk to them. Um, and you know, it, it does take a team to do as many things as we've talked about here today. Um, and of course there's more and more that we didn't even touch on, but I think we did touch on a, a lot of good points today. So did anybody have anything else they wanted to add or do you want to wrap up or what are you guys thinking here? Guys and gals. No, I, I think just this has to, uh, been so much fun. Yeah, yeah and, it's been and thank you, Marianne. Very exciting to have you in the podcast. It's our second one, so uh, we look to have you back. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have it. Uh, what's so great is it makes me feel good. I mentioned a lot about some of the bad actors, but this makes me feel good that there's like-minded people who have a good heart, who believe in renewables, who believe in solar, and want to do something about it. We're not just giving up, right? We are taking the challenge, and we're going to be committed, and we're going to be involved with legislation, local and national events, donate our time and resources, and, and not just for the photo op, but for real sustained improvements in the industry. And I'm, I'm delighted to be a part of that, building that infrastructure. Absolutely. We're excited, we're excited to have the map, because we need yeah. a map to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, Ironically we're going places. Enough, yes. <laughs> a lot, a lot, we're visual people, and um, you can ask my team. It's always about the map. You know, you, you got to know where you're going. You got to know where the team's at. You got to know uh, where the goals are, right? So, pleasure I to have you, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that you uh, have that as part of, you know, acronym or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, very good. So, well, Marianne. thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, and uh, thanks again for your time, Marianne, and hopefully we're going to have you on again, and I'm sure we'll be talking here more in the future about solving a lot of these issues. And there we go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, that was me clapping. <laughs> and thank you, Mitch. I better, thank you, I Natalie. Better give, it a, better give it a clap, too. There we go. <laughs> no, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. I think it went well. <laughs>